You're listening to SA Talk, San Antonio's favorite podcast for local events, topics, and discussions involving the Alamo City. I'm your host and favorite retirement advisor, Zachary Espericueta. Today's Friday, June 25th, and all of the fiesta festivities will be wrapping up this weekend. Just like that, our first fiesta in over two years is coming to a close. I don't know about you guys, but I had a great time this fiesta bunch of events we got to go to that we typically went to in the past. In addition to that, some events that I I hadn't gone to before, including the crowning celebration at the Lonesome Dove Room uh, by the Lila Cockrell Theater by the Convention Center. That was a lot of fun. Got to see El Rey Feo, um, see some friends from the podcast, including Clara from Boys and Girls Club. Of course, a good friend, Joe Pena from Frostbank, and then even Ernie Zuniga and his wife, Tammy. So that was a lot lot of fun there at the crowning celebration at the Riverwalk Grotto in the Lonesome Dove Room there by the Convention Center. A lot of fun. Um, of course, we got to do kind of a pre-fiesta event at the South Central Frost Bank location. That was a lot of fun. Again, got to take a couple pictures with El Rey Feo. And then my girlfriend and I, like I had mentioned in the last episode, uh, went to the fiesta kickoff which was a ton of fun. And I'm recording this on Thursday. So on Friday, when some of you may be listening to this, we are going to Niosa. So we'll get to experience the new Niosa, I guess you could say, with the digital wristbands, um, everything being digital, no more tickets. So that's going to be interesting. Maybe next week, I'll kind of give my thoughts on that whole process. I've heard a couple things, but Again, that's been through, you know, stories on, on my essay and then, of course, social media. Uh, but I'll kind of give my take possibly next week on the whole Niosa experience, new experience that is uh, this coming weekend. I'll also be visiting Market Square. We'll see how that looks during this fiesta. I'm anticipating it's going to be packed again. I'm recording this on Thursday. Been going there on Saturday, but I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of people. That's just my guess. Just because, you know, from what I've seen, people do want to get out. That's what we are seeing, um, you know, in terms of uh, the pandemic. You know, I think just recently the city of San Antonio saw 70. We eclipsed the 70 percent mark as far as people receiving their first dose. I think we're still in the 50s as far as people getting their second dose of any of the vaccine. So San Antonio is on the come up. You know, we're on our way. Tourism is back. You could say San Antonio is back. People are definitely out and about. And that's also, it's a good thing to see, not just for the economy, but for the welfare of people here in San Antonio, uh, just having a good time. You know, Fiesta was something that this city desperately needed, um, especially just for the overall morale. Uh, this week on SA Talk, I do have a guest by the name of Morgan Hoogvelt joining me on the podcast. Talk a little bit about what he does and a new venture he has. Uh, that he's been working on over the past year. So before we get to that interview with Morgan, I do want to remind the listeners that you can keep up with the podcast and our other series, Searching for San Antonio, by following us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SA Pod Network. If you love listening to the content and want to support the podcast, by the way, I would really appreciate it if you did. You can visit the, our link in bio on any of the social media platforms and press the support monthly button. Let's you set up monthly donations as low as 99 cents per month up to $9.99 per month. Again, it's pretty easy to set up and I would really appreciate it if you did. Like I said, this week I do have Morgan Hoogvelt joining me on SA Talk. Morgan is a graduate of Jacksonville University and the founder of Gopher, an on-demand delivery platform that connects businesses 
with people in order to deliver their goods and services quickly. He's also a search and career consultant at Morgan Human Capital Management. Early in his career, Morgan served as a naval officer for eight years before shifting to a career in recruiting and talent acquisition, where he has over 15 years of experience. So without further delay, here's my interview with Morgan Hoogveld. So Morgan, uh, thank you for joining me on SA Talk. Happy to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here this morning. So tell me a little bit about what you do. It looks looks like you have a, a venture and then you also have, uh, I guess you could call a day job here in San Antonio. Absolutely. I've, I've uh, lived in San Antonio since 2006 and uh, you know, mostly my career has been in the, uh, the recruiting space, executive search, headhunting, things like that and whatnot. Um, over the last couple of years, though, I've uh, you know had a couple of different ideas, and one in particular just stuck, and so I uh, headed off in that direction and formed a, a company over the last couple of years, developed an app and and a platform which is uh, on-demand delivery. So yeah, my, my day job is running my recruiting firm and consultancy, and then at the same time, you know, getting uh, our new Gopher delivery venture launched and active and into the market. I'm interested to hear a little more about Gopher, just because I know. As a consumer, we're just used to the regular delivery services, mostly food delivery and grocery delivery services, DoorDash, you know, Favor, whatever you want to use. But Gophers is a little different, right? Yeah, absolutely. Gophers, it's it's a little different than like a DoorDash or, you know, any Uber Eats or anything like that, but then it's a lot different in markets that we serve. So what I saw in the market was just really an underserved area of focusing primarily on businesses, maybe small, maybe medium, and in some cases, large. We have some very large clients as well, but really to focus more on the business side and give business leaders and business users an an opportunity to have more current, more relevant technology at their disposal that allows them to have transparent pricing, on-demand delivery, so that way they weren't stuck in that archaic courier network of trying to call someone, trying to locate someone, trying to negotiate prices, trying to sign up for agreements and contracts and all these other things. And so really, you know, we just identified a gap, invented a technology and or created a technology, I guess. And then that's really our market niches on the business side. Are you focused a lot on small businesses or does it really matter the size of the organization? You know, it doesn't really matter the size of the organization. You know, we have one of our our clients is one of the largest companies in the entire world, and we do a lot of deliveries for them here in San Antonio. Uh, we also have small businesses. We also have individuals. And so I think, you know, the really cool part, what I see with this is you don't have to be a big company to utilize the Gopher delivery system. You can be a small company and really having that ability and capability to do on-demand delivery and get your uh, product, let's just say, in the hands of, your, of the uh, customer or consumer within an hour. Um, now you can really you know, compete with Amazon or you can compete with any other company in the entire world from a retail standpoint that you can move things around. We've also done uh, quote unquote favors for individuals where we've overcome logistical issues that other companies wouldn't touch, delivery companies wouldn't touch. So, you know, for example, um, we had a customer out of the Dallas area who called us in a complete panic. Uh, They happen to be one of the largest Mexican restaurants in the southeastern United States. And of all places here in San Antonio is where their tortilla mix is manufactured and they needed someone to get 30 boxes of tortilla mix on an airplane and shipped out to their various locations around the country because they were low on it. And, uh, you know, we could do it. They called several other companies and nobody would do it for them until they found us. And we did it. We executed it, I think, within an hour. We made sure, you know, living in San Antonio, uh, you know, 
no fajitas. We're going to go without tortillas. I can, I can tell you that. <laughs> so is it just, you know, when you talk about being a, a courier, is it just trucks? Is it also, you mentioned an airplane. What kind of services do you offer? Yeah. So I should, I should clarify that, right? So we don't offer the airplane service. What we did though, is we facilitated the whole transaction meeting, the whole logistical, logistical delivery to get the tortilla mix from the mill on a vehicle to a FedEx overnight um, location where then worked with FedEx so that FedEx can make, you know, ensure that FedEx had all the product and ensure that they had receipt of it. It was paid for, it was uh, booked, and then that they were going to ship it out to make the on-time delivery. So, um, you know, we don't have our airplanes yet, I should say, but um, we were kind of act, act as that facilitator to pick up, deliver, and then ensure that it's going to go out to the, the customer and where they need it to go. And then also, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that uh, we pr- pride ourselves on is, you know, the communication piece, and it doesn't sound like a whole lot. It kind of sounds pretty basic, but, you know, really keeping the client abreast the whole entire way of where we're at, what we're doing, how's it going, even through pictures and things. The feedback we've had has just been amazing so far. Really, really being able to delight our customers and make them feel at ease because, you know, a lot of these times, a lot of these deliveries, they're not even in San Antonio. This customer called us from Dallas. I've had customers call us from Austin, from Houston. And when you're not there and you can really trust somebody you don't know, a lot more communication makes people feel better. So, again, really it's just facilitating these deliveries through some type of vehicle transportation to get to a final destination or even just help facilitate it to a further destination. How did they come across to you, for instance, these users in Dallas? Yeah, so they found us on, online. So we do a lot of marketing on Google ads, on Facebook, on uh, Instagram, things like that through social media. We also have, you know, a, a presence of sales individuals who are, you know, marketing out there and selling to businesses and making people aware. So uh, that particular individual and that that customer found us uh, via um, online through an ad that he, or through a search that he ran for a local delivery service in San Antonio. We'll give you the idea. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. So I, I remember like it was yesterday, it was, it was actually kind of funny. So I was working in this company and they needed to send a package out or have, or have multiple packages delivered in, of their product. And, you know, I remember one of the HR business partners calls me and she asked me, she says, hey, can I need to have a uh, an individual on standby all day. We can't pay him or her. We'll only pay him if they do a delivery. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, we can't have somebody just standing around working for free and only, you know, being ready for us if, if, and when we need them. I don't think too many people are going to do that. And so, um, you know, I hung up the phone with her and I just said, wow, you know, that seems like they need to have a taxi cab for their, uh, their product. And it just hit me. And I was like, Hey, you know, this was many years ago. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to see if this is a, a gap in the market and start doing some research. And, you know, I launched it. Have you found success early on with it? I mean, you, you got the app going. Yeah, so it, it's a it's a complex app that we built. Um, typically, when you start off in this field of you know building apps or building technology, you want to try to strive for minimal minimal viable product um, for cost savings and a lot of different reasons. You know, but we were able to just go a tad over that. Uh, the, the app is loaded with a lot of good features. Um, we've put a lot of time, a lot of investment into it, and yeah, we've have found very early on success. So as I mentioned, we um, we do deliveries for a, a gigantor company. Uh, we're very proud to call them our customer and we try to go above and beyond for them and for what they do because what they do really affects people's lives in a very positive manner. And we feel good that we're part of that where we can actually make positive change and help people's lives get better. So uh, we struck early success. 
we're gaining probably about three to five customers every week. And, you know, it's always fun and exciting and a little bit of a rush. I can't, I can't lie when you get a new delivery and you don't even know where it came from because, you know, it means people are out there. That means your marketing's working, means that people are seeing your brand and, and uh, they're, they're trusting you or they're interested to, you know, find out what you can do for them and how you can help solve their logistical issues. Is this your first entrepreneurial venture? It's my first entrepreneurial venture outside of what I know. Um, I typically, you know, my career has always been in recruiting and I, I launched my own recruiting firm and consultancy, you know, several years ago. So in that sense, I'm an entrepreneur as well, but I was never nervous to take that venture on just because I knew it so well. And I, you know, had easy for me to go and find customers and know the business, know how it works. This is a whole new area. So the answer to that is yes and no. Do you feel like some of your expertise in, in, in recruiting and the other work you do that you have years of experience doing, has that kind of translated into Gopher? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, the way I look at things, you know, I've always been in the people business and that I don't think that'll ever change. And I think when you're an entrepreneur or if you're working for a, you know, multi-billion dollar company, you have to be in the people business first and foremost, whether it's dealing with internal associates or dealing with external customers you have to understand what people want. You have to bring creative ideas and creative solutions because that's what people are after. And my recipe for success, no matter what I do, has always been to treat people well, um, treat them with respect and dignity, understand what they want, what they need, how I can help them, and then execute a creative strategy along the way that can you know, fulfill their, their need and their request. And then also make sure that I'm over communicating and letting them know, you know how I can help them. But then it just doesn't stop there, right? I, I like to stay in touch. I like to follow up. I like to check in. And I think those are things that have always set me apart uh, just because not everybody does that. A lot of times people just do one thing for you and you never hear from again. And you're just like, wow, you know, Morgan was really good, but I never heard from him. Let me call somebody else. You know, I want to be memorable. I want to continue to build long-term and lasting relationships. And that's what recruiting taught me is to build long-term lasting relationships. And I think it translates over to what I'm doing now very easily. And and it helps, uh, you know, build a lot of success. Do you think a venture like Gopher, I mean, is it something that's just, you know, it's always going to be owned by yourself and it, you know, Gopher is its own company, or do you see this piece of technology as being one of those technologies that gets bought up by a larger company? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And it's a, it's a question because it's a lot of speculation, right? Because you never know how things go and, and, and who will come into your life and, and talk to you and what opportunities you have. I think there's a, there's a lot of things that interest me in my life. I think the thing that interests me most is, is being a dad and a husband. And, um, you know, first and foremost, if I could do those things and I can do them well, that's what my biggest interest lies in. I think long-term though, for Gopher, you know, I think I would obviously love to grow the company and love to grow it big. I would love people to join and come and create a, a, just a great working environment where people can come and they can contribute and be successful and be rewarded. The hard part I have of when companies sell, because I've been part of those and I've been in organizations that have sold or been acquired and, you know, things change a lot. And even when people say they're not going to change, they do change. And typically it's not all the time for the better. And sometimes it is, and that's great. Um, I'd have a hard time promising somebody something, you know, in a year later, let's say sell, and then it's totally opposite of what I promised them to walk away from it. So, I would say, you know, all things are possible. And I'm one that always keeps options open and doors open because I guess, you know, again, you never know who or what's going to walk through it. I really just have a dream of growing this company to be, you know, good size, to be successful, to be uh, find creative solutions for logistical industry. I think the sky's the limit with what we do, what we've created. I really do. And I, I think, you know, it's, uh, I want to create an exciting family oriented place where people can come and contribute, uh, have success, be comfortable and be rewarded. 
Now, I kind of touched on your your other profession that you have years of experience doing. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so you know, I, I got in I, when I moved to San Antonio. I was lucky enough to get into the headhunting business, or you know, affectionately headhunting. It's, it's executive search, executive recruiting. I guess you know, I've been told I'm really good at it, and it's stuck, and I, and I enjoy it. You know, it's really helping people change their lives and help companies attract and find great talent and make their lives and mission better. And I can get paid for it and it's really been rewarding and I've been blessed to do it. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. I've done it for large companies locally. I've worked for uh, clear channel communications. I was head of talent acquisition for them. I also worked for a uh, here locally in San Antonio as well. I've worked for a couple of companies, large companies outside of San Antonio as well as their head of talent acquisition. So it's, it's been a great ride. It's, uh, I never thought I'd go this far in my career as far as, you know, from a, t- a TA standpoint and from, uh, you know, moving up the ranks and things like that. So I've been tremendously blessed and great. And, but I've always, you know, aimed at giving back to others, making sure I'm, you know, taking care of the of people and helping them move along in their careers, giving them advice, helping them with their resumes, anything I can do to just kind of further their, their careers and, and their livelihoods as well. Now, when you're helping these companies, you mentioned executive, you're trying to find like board members to fill positions or like top level, you know, executives at these companies. Is that, is that the kind of talent that you're, you're out there searching for, for these companies? You know, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's a great question. And I've I've always got that question, like, well, where's your niche? What do you do? Where do you start? You know, the answer is everything. And, and really I've, I've placed individuals from a receptionist level all the way to, uh, you know, the president of a billion dollar business. I found that, you know, when you start off in one niche and you can do things well or anything well, people will start calling you to do other things. And so rather than just saying no to anything and focusing only on just one sole thing, I've always I've opened myself up to really just understand what my client needs at all levels and then go and execute for them and, and you know, make their lives easier. So, you know, we pride ourselves on from a, in the recruiting business on um, speed, quality and dedication. That's what we focus on. Now, when it comes to talent acquisition, why does it why does it matter for a company? You know, why why should they hire someone in your profession to go out and find the right talent instead of trying to find it themselves? Yeah, so it's it's an interesting question because somebody like myself is called in for when there's a couple of reasons, right? Maybe when there's a confidential position, um, it's maybe it's new or they're opening something up or creating a business and you know it's confidential and they want you know a headhunter to go out and find talent and bring that person in or maybe there's a replacement or maybe you know maybe there's just a specialized skill set so somebody like myself doesn't need to be involved on an everyday every single hire but we can definitely be utilized for those hard to find specialized skills um, specialized professionals that need to be coming in or you know, just really any time that a business leader feels like, hey, you know, I need to use somebody that's got access to network that can work with speed, work with quality, and that can dedicate their time. A lot of people that do what I do on the external side right now, they don't understand how the internal side of recruiting works. And, you know, internal recruiters, they're busy every day. They have a lot of jobs they're supporting. They have a lot of projects they're working on, a lot of business leaders they're supporting. They have full desks, they have full plates, and it doesn't allow them the time to take up a specialized rec and go out and proactively search on it. So somebody like myself is has the ability to go out and be proactive, to dedicate time, and to really focus in on things when somebody else doesn't have the time to do so. I also noticed that you were on a podcast, I think it was maybe a couple years ago, you talked about employer branding. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to to recruit the right candidates or recruit the right talent, um, why why is that important? Why why is a brand important? And what kind of work have you done? Um, maybe working with companies to to at least educate them on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my stance with uh, employer brand is is right down the middle, meaning I'm on the fence with it sometimes. Because when you look at uh, employer brand from a big picture standpoint, it's it's a marketing tool, right? It's a, it's a tool that somebody, either internal marketing, an external firm, or somebody creates and says, hey, this is company XYZ. This is your employment brand based on what you've told us. Well, you can create a great marketing piece, but if you don't back it up internally, people will recognize that, employees will recognize that, and then it just becomes a farce and then it's not popular. So I think there's a couple of things that I've done, you know, in my career, I've really tried to understand through, you know, internal meetings, through conversations, through studies on an internal side, you know, what, what do people think that employment brand is? Do you live up to that employment brand? Give me some examples. And then really to go and paint a picture on what that employment brand can look like. And it can really mean anything. It can mean by the type of work you do, the culture inside of the organization, um, things that the comp- it's important to the company. I mean, there's a lot of different things that can contribute to an employer brand. But really, in my, my opinion, those two things internally and externally have to match up so that you can really be have create an honest and truthful employment brand so that people can come and not just see it, but they can come and live it every single day. Again, so, you know, I've worked for an employment brand company. I've led employment brand workshops and uh, initiatives on the internal side as well for large companies. I've built, helped build career sites, you know, that showcase that employment brand, that showcase, you know, why someone should come and work here at an organization, that, that EVP, if you will, and to really kind of paint a great picture of why someone should come to the organization. How do we truly live here at this organization and what impact you can have on, you know, the business and also at external customers? What's your take on like how that has changed over time? Because I think it has. I think it's changed over time. I think, you know, before I'm a millennial, you know, before generations just when they came out of college, they were just happy to have a job, or at least that's the way I, I see it. Maybe it's different just because I'm younger. I don't know. It just, you were happy to have a job. You wanted to find a nine to five. People were just happy taking a nine to five. And I think nowadays, and, and I personally feel this way, like I really care about the culture of a company before when I'm, when I'm selecting where I want to work, right? Mm-hmm. That's something I, I took pride in. I, I worked at Frost for almost five years, but I was very selective about that. I, I looked into Frost culture, you know, and Frost is big on their culture. And, and a lot of people, my age, and I think especially younger, are looking more into the culture. What are the experiences of past employees or current employees and, you know, reviews and stuff like that? I mean, do you think that's changed over time? Yeah, I do. I think absolutely. It's, um, I think there's still a couple of different populations out there of, of, of people, right? So there's, there's that population that I think will always exist that doesn't really care about anything other than just fastest path to a paycheck. Then there's another population of what you just said is people out there that really truly care about a lot of different things, right? And that, that list can be long. And then I was just actually having that discussion this weekend with a, with an associate of mine. And we were talking about that because, you know, he was telling me that, you know, a lot of these companies now are starting to get scored and get these global scorecards, right? On their human rights issues, their activism, their um, roles that they play in different parts of the world, environmentally and all this other stuff, you know, and it's, it's hard because a lot of those, everything, somebody, something's important to somebody, you know, to all of us, that's very different. Right. And, but I think, you know, the way information has been shared and the way companies are so, a lot of these big companies for matter, you know, are, are so globalized. It's, um, it's really important to know, you know, what that company's operations are for a lot of people and all over parts, different parts of the world. And so I think absolutely, yes, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, when I see these different surveys, there's people, you know, maybe it's your generation, which is mostly of it I see is, you know, things that are important to them. It's, you know, environmentally friendliness, which is great. It's work-life balance, which is great. You know, maybe 
the time of my dad, you know, where you're working 70, 80 hours a week and just nobody really cared. But now it's like, you know, you want a little bit more of a work-life balance. You want to be able to hang things up and still live your life a little bit. It's the uh, social consciousness piece, things like that. So I think it's changed a lot. I think it's going to continue to change. And I think as we see and, and get and have more access to information, people can really look at these scorecards that are going to start coming out, these ratings of company from a global perspective and understand what they're about how they treat others, not just in the United States, but how do they treat their workers in other countries? Who's working for them? You know, what are these workers doing? How do they treat the environments in other countries? We know here in the United States that, you know, the environmental rules are, are, are much bit, you know, broader and more expansive and more strict than other parts of the world. But we have corporations that go overseas to, you know, kind of avoid some of those rules. So we're going to get a lot more information. That's, I think it's going to become much more important to people as we continue in the future. That is really interesting that you, you know, brought that up about some of these global companies that may have operations here in the United States, but also in other countries. Going back to another thing you said about different people care about different things. And so I think that is very challenging for, for a company to focus on building some kind of brand when the residents of a certain country care about different things. That, that, that is really interesting. And I, I think that's, it's difficult for a company to, to try to focus on building two different brands because you're in two different countries. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. And I think, you know, I can list several here, you know, in the United States, and I think we all know many of them, but, you know, they have their brands in the United States of, you know, there's fashion apparel, it could be shoes, it could be electronics. And that's how we know them as Americans. And we see them and we see the innovation, and the technology, but then sometimes we forget, we think about overseas somewhere and name your country that there's, low wage labor, that there's children manufacturing these things. I mean, I told you earlier, I'm a dad. I couldn't imagine my seven-year-old having to work in a factory and make shoes or electronics at this age. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just mind-blowing to me that that happens in other countries. And we sometimes are shut off to that. But again, going back to my previous comments, I think that's going to start coming out and being more apparent to people here in this country with more information and these scorecards and these evaluations of companies and, you know, their global progress and what they're doing. And so to some people it'll be important to others. It may not be so important, but, you know, regardless, it gives you the opportunity to see what's important to you and to make a good decision on where you want to work and where you want to take your career and, and what you want to be part of. Well, I think what's, what we've seen in the last couple of years, and it's going to continue to be uh, something to follow. And it's interesting to me, some of these larger larger companies not not small businesses but larger companies you know they whether it's on social media or statements they put out or gestures they make i guess you could call it you know are promoting some kind of social consciousness or activism and i i think sometimes a lot of these larger companies they say they support certain things but when it comes to their actions they don't that's something that people are going to to continue to follow. I mean, just for an example, and I, this may be an extreme example, but like last year, right? Last year, you saw a ton of companies put out tweets or, or social media posts that said Black Lives Matter or they changed their profile picture because, you know, of their customers maybe, right? But like, what did they actually do? And I think people are asking those questions now. And I'm just using that as an example. You yeah. can you can talk about any kind of um, social consciousness or or topic, but that's kind of what I mean is that you have these large companies like they, they say one thing so that you can support them. You're like, oh, look, this large company said this. They support that. That's great. You know, but are they really yeah. doing it? And yeah. I think maybe that's where scorecards can come in. I don't, I don't know. But but I think it is important no matter what that company believes in, no matter what that company wants to support, 
that they actually support it, right? Not just put it out there on social media just to appease people that are following them. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's that's one of the things that I've always been about, right? It's like put up or shut up and your your actions are always one that, that measures you. And you're right, a lot of the companies and, and it's everybody has something that's that's important to them and, and that's that's totally fine, whatever is important to you. And most companies solve things with posting something on social media because it looks great and then throwing money at something, but that's really about it. And I think again, you know, it's it's up to that person to find out what's important to them. And you know, the cool part about what what we have in the world right now is there's so much accessibility to information. And you know, if you're bold with it, for example, and you know, if, if I wanted to work at company X Y Z, well, I could go on LinkedIn, I could go on any kind of social media platform, I could find different people in various departments, I can ask them, hey, what's your experience here? What do you think? You know, before I took a job, these are the things that are important to me. What do you think about the company? How does the company handle these things? What do they do? What do they say? How do they act? I mean, there's just a, again so much information out there that you can really you know, go out there and do the research. But I think that's the key, right? That's what I think a lot of people fail to do is they fail to truly educate themselves, truly think critically and logically and truly go out there and do the research. You can't just sit in front of a TV. You can't just sit in front of a computer screen and read, read the latest you know, headlines on the news or whatever the case is, because all the news places, they're just going to put what they want you to see and what's going to work best for whatever agendas that they have. It's really to the fact, get down to the facts of the matter and go do some investigative research and go talk to some people, boots on the ground and find out what their experiences are so you can make a good decision. Well, I like what you said too about um, on that podcast that, that you were on about, you know, employer branding. And I think the the host of that podcast had brought up Glassdoor. And I like what you had said on there about, you know, before uh, people would go on Glassdoor and people still do it. And usually it's it's like a negative review and it's just like anything, right? I think he even brought up like TripAdvisor, right? It's pretty much anything you look on when you're looking at reviews, people, I don't know what the percentage is. If I had to guess, I would say like 70% of the time are going to go on there. They're only going to go on there if they have a bad review to leave, right? right? The people who are happy with their experience at a certain place aren't going to go on there because they were happy. They didn't, right? They didn't think anything of it. They're not going to go in and, and leave a good review because they were happy with their experience. And I think that's the case with with employers. Um, I think people that have good experiences, they they love their job and they, in turn, they might love their life and, and they don't take the time to go on Glassdoor and leave a positive review, right? It's only the yeah. people who didn't like their job. Maybe they had a bad, you know, there was a bad taste left in their mouth or they were fired or whatever the the reason they went on and left a bad review. Um, I, I like that you said that on there and you're kind of talking about it just a minute ago about doing your own research, right? If so, if you're looking, you know, you're trying to get hired and you're looking at certain companies and maybe you've, you have multiple offers from different companies, I think you have to do your own research uh, because if you just rely on a place like Glassdoor, you're going to see a lot of the bad reviews. Yeah, you are, you know, and it's, it's, I tell, I tell everybody all the time, you got to keep an open mind, come have conversations because conversations never hurt when you're looking for a job, right? It takes you zero financial investment. It takes you maybe an hour, maybe two hours, let's call it, a time investment to go down to a company to interview and to have a conversation. Um, you can do some other research along the way, but you know, I can give you Zachary so many examples through my recruiting career of when I called a candidate and the candidate was really interested in the role as I described it. And then there's, then they asked me, well, what company is it? And I say, well, it's X, Y, Z. And they're like, Oh man, I, I don't know about that. I'm not interested. I don't want to work there. And I'll ask him, I say, well, well, why, what, why, why not? 
well, because I heard this and that and this and that, and they tell me all those negative things that they've heard or they've read. And, I, and I'll tell them, I said, well, you know, you may be right in hearing a lot of that stuff, but also what you're not hearing is the why behind all of that. Let's have a conversation. Come down, talk to the, the business leader, talk to the hiring manager, have a, have a direct, open conversation, find out from him or her what's really going on and the why behind it. And all the times that I've always done it, People have been receptive to it because they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. I should be open-minded. I should have a discussion because it doesn't hurt. There's no investment. There's nothing attached to it. And guess what? They've always gone the distance and got the job, and they've always ended up doing very well, been successful, and liked where they've gone because not everybody tells the truth and the honest truth all the time, and everyone has a different story to everything. And so like the TripAdvisor, if we all looked at TripAdvisor and saw the reviews on everywhere, you never go on vacation, you never go anywhere because people are so petty and so angry about stuff a lot of times that they just post anything on there. And there's always going to be negative reviews, even when it's a great experience. I've seen so many negative reviews and I go there and I'm just like, wow, I'm not sure how they got that review. I've never, that's never experienced that. So yeah, and that's just, you know, to sum it up is I advise people have an open mind out for yourself, do the research, think logically and critically and make a, make a good decision. Speaking of some of the work you do, you know, as far as talent acquisition, you know, you've been in San Antonio for, for years now. What do you think sets San Antonio apart as far as the talent we have here? And the reason I'm asking, uh, so maybe you can cater your answer to this, <laughs> uh, but the reason I'm asking is because up until the last few years, I should say last decade, the issue that we have here in the seventh largest city in the country is that our talent moves elsewhere, whether after they graduate high school or maybe after they graduate college, sometimes mm-hmm. it's few miles up the road in Austin. Sometimes it's to Seattle or Portland or LA or Chicago. Do you think here in San Antonio, you know, do we have the talent to retain here? I think so. I think so. You know, and I think that um, there's nothing wrong with people wanting to leave and go to other places, right? That happens all the time to every city. A lot of people have the mindset of they grow up somewhere that this is all it is. It's a small circle. Um, I don't want to go to school here. I don't want to work here. I want to leave here. There's nothing to do here. There's also cases of people that say, hey, you know, I love my city. Like there's fantastic education. There's fantastic opportunity. I'm going to come be part of it. I'm going to keep it here. Right. And I think that's what we need to get more of. And I think there's been just in my time here and there's been huge steps that have been taken, meaning like I think the rack space explosion was huge for San Antonio. Right. So the company grows. They buy a mall on the east side of the city. They revitalize that whole part of the uh, town. They bring the jobs. They bring the technology boom into San Antonio. Out of that comes like geekdom. I mean, there's a lot of cool technology things coming out that have, you know, really just put San Antonio on the map. I think, you know, yeah, San Antonio is not Austin. It's not Silicon Valley. It's not other cities, but it's not for everybody and that's fine. And I think the best way it should be. I think we need to keep and attract the people that want to be here that recognize the value that San Antonio has. And when I look at San Antonio, it's yes, we're the seventh largest city, but it's a small town feel, I think, as you know, and I think it's uh, there's a lot of cool things that are going on. There's a lot of really cool companies that are here that fly under the radar that people aren't aware of every day. And I think it also takes a special kind of individual that recognizes the talent and the potential that San Antonio does have and that does exist here to be like, hey, you know what? San Antonio is my place. I'm ride or dying. I'm staying here. And, you know, that, that's what I've done. You know, I mean, I, I thought to myself long and hard about what I want to do with my career and the businesses that I start. And I've always said, you know what? We're staying in San Antonio. This is where we we're born. This The businesses were born. This is where we're going to stay. This is where we're going to grow them. This is where we're going to employ people. And you know what? 
people will go anywhere for good ideas. They'll go anywhere for great jobs, for, for good pay, for good culture. San Antonio is one of those places. I mean, I think just in the last several years, I've seen San Antonio explode into many different levels. The, the, the food scene, the, uh, the pearl, you know, the way it's, it's exploded down there and looking so great, the tourism that continues to pour in the city. Um, companies will come here. And I think, you know, with the, the great offers that Texas has as a state for other companies to come here, Typically, a lot of those companies want to go to Dallas and they want to go to Austin. But you know what? San Antonio is a great city. And when companies recognize just how great it is and the skill sets that you have here and the labor force that we do have and the passion that this city has for a lot of things, I think people will come and people will stay. I agree. I mean, I think we do have the talent here. And, and you know, like I said, I think our issue in the past was just trying to retain that talent, keep it here, put them into companies, get them started with whatever entrepreneurial ideas they have or, or put them into into positions doing what you do, right? But just retaining it. I think that's important for the growth here in, in San Antonio is to keep those people here in town. So to kind of wrap up the interview, I always do this with all my guests um, on SA Talk. What are some places around San Antonio you like visiting to? It can be a restaurant, it can be a park, just places around town that you enjoy frequenting. There's so many, you know, this goes back to uh, what you, we just talked about before, you know, people, when I first moved to San Antonio, I talked to all the locals and locals are like, ah, oh, there's nothing to do here. And I would go on this, my wife and I would go on this little thing that they, that was invented called Google. And we'd look at all the cool stuff to do around in San Antonio. We were doing stuff every month and we still continue to do things, you know? So I love Southtown in San Antonio. It's just a great spot. Uh, the King William district, you can just walk around and look at all the great antique houses and just get lost in it. There's great little shops and great restaurants down there. I think is great. I love personally Hemisphere Park. I was just there yesterday. I took my son. There's water pads. There's uh, playgrounds. It's such a community environment that's safe and that's just beautiful. Um, there's families there. Just everybody has a smile on your face and it's so great. You know, the Riverwalk is just so beautiful. I think, you know, it, it is touristy. So for locals, they may not have a, a, a great, um, you know, desire to go down there all the time, but it is gorgeous. You get down to the Alamo and see history. It's so, so beautiful there. It's always my favorite. I think I could get down to the Alamo like every week, really, and just kind of look at it. I'm always in awe of it. And, uh, you know, I think my wife would kill me, but um, I'd love it there. <laughs> you know, as far as food goes, you know, I'm, I'm a big food person as well. I really love to try everything. I love to eat everything. Rosario's is always a great favorite place of mine for Mexican food. Um, the Block is also another great place to get to, just an outdoor community environment with food trucks. Um, you know, and I think those places are just popping up all over the place. They really are. Right down the street here from my house in Helotus on the northwest side, there's a, a little fireworks shop there that they have opened up their parking lot to two different food trucks. One's called the Snack Bar. One's called Garitos Tacos, Red Tacos. And man, if you haven't been out there, you got to come up to Helotus and eat at those two places. They have some of the wonderful snacks at, at the uh, the snack bar. And then over at the red tacos at Garitos is just awesome with their frescas. So I'm making myself hungry right now. But uh, yeah, those are, <laughs> those are some of my, play, my places. And then, you know, I think just as a whole, Texas, I mean, within 50 miles, there's so many great, in a couple hours drive, there's so many great state parks that are just beautiful around Austin. And uh, there's the, um, you know, the Frio River. And anybody that comes here, I've had the chance and the opportunity to live close to the ocean my entire life. I live down in Florida and also in Southern California and you get to go out to both beautiful beaches and San Antonio, of course, is landlocked, but man, I tell you, you can get out to the rivers and the Medina river and the Guadalupe river and the Comal river and do some tubing and do some relaxing. And 
those are some of the most beautiful places in the entire world. And ever since I've came to Texas, I truly know and understand why Davy Crockett came here because Texas is just gorgeous. And, you know, you just got to get out and find it. It's not going to come to you if you don't look for it. You got to get outside. You got to go and find it, do the research. And that's what we do. And that's what our friends do. And just, it's just South Texas and San Antonio is just an amazing place. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I kind of just laugh to myself and almost don't want to respond whenever someone says, oh, there's nothing to do here. Like, what is there really to do here? It's not much. You know, and they compare it to other cities. And I'm like, in my head, I'm just laughing, but and I almost don't want to reply just because it's like, you haven't looked then. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. What you're really telling me is you, you haven't searched. You haven't looked up on Google, like you said, because there's a ton of things to do here. No matter what it is that you're, you're into, if you're into the arts, there's a place for you. If you're into outdoors, there's a place for you. And even when you are talking about these outdoor places that are technically outside of San Antonio, they're not a far drive from San Antonio. You know, and so living here, there's so much to do. So I, I completely agree with you. Morgan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, um, talking about a, a wide range of things here. Um, really important topics, though. Um, but before I let you go, um, make sure and tell the audience, you know, where we can find your company, both companies, um, especially Gopher with that, you know, launching off the ground. You know, where can we find you and your organizations? Yeah, absolutely. So Gopher is the on-demand delivery um, company that we started. You can find us at uh, our web address is www.gohfr.com, gopher.com. Um, you can go on there. If you're in the need for uh, deliveries or uh, you know to execute a logistical solution, look us up. We can help you. You can find all of our contact information there. On the flip side, if you're a company and you need some help around human capital and to find top talent, you can contact us at the uh, website is Morgan H cm.com that's morganhcm.com all contact information is there we're able to help you out on both fronts from a logistical delivery standpoint and also a human capital standpoint and uh, you know again happy to be on the show and Zach this has been really great thanks for having us us on or me on and allowing us to showcase ourselves and to uh, you know be part of you know everything that's great about San Antonio we really love it and I think you're doing a great thing here it's really superb and you know, we wish you continued luck and success in all your adventures you take on and continuation of shows to really showcase San Antonio. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for my conversation with Morgan Hoogvelt. We're going to take a quick break and I'll be right back with the local recommendation of the week and the question of the week. So stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Zach. As some of you may know, I help people plan for retirement. And as your advisor, I can not only show you how money truly works, but put you in control of your money today and in retirement. If you're looking to schedule a financial review, please give me a call at 210-760-0409. Welcome back into SA Talk. In the third and last segment, we'll be doing the local recommendation as well as my question of the week to leave the listeners with. Before we get to this week's recommendation, I just want to quickly remind listeners that you can follow the podcast on social media at SAPod Network. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you enjoyed the discussion and want to support the podcast, please click on the link in bio on any social media platform and then click the support monthly button.
But getting back to it, I really hope you enjoyed last week's episode where I kicked off a new format to the local recommendation of the week. If you missed it, as of last week, I'll have two different Instagram foodie accounts, SA Bites and SA Lunchador, give the local recommendation of the week for the show. They'll be giving you their favorite food and drink spots from all around San Antonio. Last week, Riona from SA Bites gave us her ramen recommendation, and this week, it's SA Lunchador giving his local recommendation of the week. Here you go. Hey there, y'all. It's SA Lunchador today to bring you the weekly recommendation on SA Talk Podcast. And my name is Riona. I run SA Bites, which is another foodie blog, and I'm just here to provide commentary. So for my recommendation, I'm also going to do noodles, but not quite the ones that you know. Most people only know about ramen or maybe pho, but what people don't know about is that Chinese noodles are also pretty amazing. And the best place to get them in San Antonio, in my opinion, is at Kung Fu Noodle at 6733 Bandera Road in Leon Valley, Texas. Now, the thing with Kung Fu Noodle is you really have to be looking out for it because it's in a really small strip mall next to an antique shop, an Arby's, and a Baskin Robbins. I didn't know about it until I heard from another foodie that, hey, you got to go try this place out. So I happened to find Kung Fu Noodle on accident. Uh, we were playing this game where you flip heads or tails with a coin. You pick a number, and if you have heads, you turn right, and if you have tails, you turn left. And then we ended up at Craftique's, and then right next to it was uh, Kung Fu Noodle, and it was like a happy little accident. Definitely, in my opinion, the best accident you could ever hope for. Now, when I come here, I pretty much get the same thing. I always tell myself I'm going to get something different, but my personal recommendation is their Noodle with Lamb Soup Bowl, Spicy level four. You can choose from one through five. It is pretty spicy for most people, but I like the heat. So spicy level four with a five spice egg. It's only a dollar more. If you like hard boiled eggs, they use a special mixture that they steep their eggs into and it's so great. And you can't miss out on their dumplings either. They're so unique and they're handmade. I always get the pork and chive dumplings. You are not going to regret it if you try them. I'm not a huge fan of lamb, so I usually get the noodle with beef. And you can actually pick the size of your noodle. Um, you can get it wide or thin. I usually get it thin. Dang, I forgot. I only get wide. Sometimes they'll run out of wide noodles if you go too late, so I just won't eat. I mean, I should give the thin noodles a try because it's great, but I always get the wide ones. So maybe one of these days. And I usually get a spice level three. I do love the spice Weak. life, but <laughs> it is pretty spicy. So I do want to give a warning there. Yeah, I'll definitely say they bring the heat there for sure. Oh, and one more thing we should mention, of course, is their prices. There is not a single thing on their menu worth more than $8. So if that doesn't get you in the door, I don't know what else will. But really, you got to check this place out if you're a fan of noodles. Thank you to SA Lunchador. I'll be honest, I've never had Chinese noodles like he described, but after looking up Kung Fu Noodle and seeing the pictures from there on Instagram, I'm definitely going to have to try that place out. Uh, but moving on to the question of the week for SA Talk, kind of related to this week's conversation, you know, with culture and values being of higher importance nowadays to potential employees when they're looking for a job and looking for a company, what do you think people should look for in said company when they're job searching? Should we look at their activism? Should we look at their financial performance, maybe? What about the makeup of their board? Does it represent the community that they're in? If it's a small business, should we look at their presence, maybe, on social media? Or again, maybe their activism on social media. Either way, uh, there's a lot of things to look for in a company when you're an employee and you're trying to see who you want to work for. Uh, so again, my question to the listeners is, what do you think people should look for in a company when they are job searching? 
you want to answer on Facebook or Instagram, please look for the Essay Talk new episode post and leave your answer on there. You can comment below it. If you want to answer on Twitter, which is my preferred platform, if I'm being honest, reply and use hashtag Essay Talk answers. That way I can kind of sift through the answers and see what you're giving your answer to. I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts on this. I know I haven't, you know, job searched in a very long time, um, but people are job searching now. You know, we see that in the news about the labor market. We know people are leaving jobs and trying to find better jobs, better paying jobs. I know that's a big thing that people are looking for, of course. Understandably so. They need to be paid uh, respectably for, for the work that they're doing. And, you know, that's a topic for a different episode. But again, it's a conversation that I'd really like to have. You know, what are you looking for in a company? So with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of SA Talk. I want to give a huge Texas size thank you to all of the repeat listeners. It means a lot to me that you keep listening week in and week out to the podcast. I also want to thank any new listeners checking out the show for the very first time. If you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to check out my other series on the network, Searching for San Antonio. It's my traditional interview series where I'm really looking to highlight the organization or business that I'm interviewing. If you want to help the podcast out, please give a rate and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. Lastly, if you or any business owners you know are looking to advertise with the podcast, please reach out to me at Zachary at SAPodNetwork.com. Thank you all again. Have a wonderful weekend. See you again next week. Viva Fiesta for one last weekend and Viva San Antonio.